You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants along with the man himself, the two-time Super Bowl champion and the key component of this podcast, Carl Banks. I'm Bob Papa. Carl, on this Friday morning, we get ready for the Giants and the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, all hell's broken loose around the National Football League. We got no idea who's definitely playing, who's not. The Browns have been ravaged. The Washington football team has been ravaged by positive COVID tests. The Giants have been hit pretty hard. It's certainly hard to build cases for teams in games when you're missing so many people and you don't know what the latest nasal swab is going to bring. Yeah, that is the the really perplexing thing because the NFL does not want to cancel games, clearly. Uh, players are upset about that. And, you know, now they're adjusting the protocols as a result of, you know, players being asymptomatic and vaccinate, vaccinated that they could possibly be back on the field. But it is a, you know, it's an ever-changing world that we live in and, something we're probably going to have to live with uh, for a very, very long time. Yeah, I mean, the Giants are dealing with a bunch of guys, and it's, you know, this is the wrong week to potentially be down a lot of cornerbacks and DBs because this is a Dallas team that comes in, Carl. And, you know, I know Dak Prescott in his last six games has been pedestrian, would be the proper word to put it, uh, three and three. 63%, 63%, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. But you got to feel like at some point they're going to be able to break out with the weapons that they have. And he's pretty much owned the Giants in his career. I mean, he's won his last eight in a row against them. In 10 games, 10 starts, he's got 20 touchdowns and five interceptions. And if you're down bodies on the defensive side of the ball, that's a tall order. They better hold on to interceptions and fumbles when the ball's on the ground or in the air. Yeah, Bob, it's, again, like I said, it's a whole new, it's a whole new world. The competitive balance uh, when you are, when teams are ravaged or, or hit by the injury bug, and then now you have the COVID bug that can take a player out with no warning, and it just, you know, it will, it will zap your ability to compete. But, I mean, even with a healthy Giants team, my goal for this week was just to start looking forward, right? I don't, we're going to call the game. We're going to call the game like we see it. Uh, We know what the issues are. We've outlined those issues uh, for a very long time, right? So now let's look forward. Let's, and and, and I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to be, you know, trying to put a positive spin on things, but there are people that are going to play uh, that are going to factor into the future of this team that I really want to put a microscope on and, and just start to talk about, you know, what the future could be because uh, they're going to go out and try to win the game. They're going to be players like Xavier McKinney out there, um, hopefully, um, that is going to factor big into the foundation of, of what this team will be doing going forward. Uh, Xavier McKinney, um, I said to you, McKinney, um, uh, their pass rusher, uh, Andrew Thomas. There are a lot of guys we're going to see that we need He's to. Oh, Jalari, right. Yes. 
um, a lot of guys we in fans we really want to, you know, hear about and uh, what they're doing. I am very anxious in this football game. One of the things I'm looking forward to is <clears throat> from a critical standpoint, critical eye standpoint is I'm very excited to watch Andrew Thomas uh, because, you know, he had to deal with a midseason injury happens to everybody in the NFL. You know, he got flogged for a preseason performance that was, I mean, you cannot talk about a bigger overreaction than what was being said and written about the guy because of a bad preseason game against New England. Um, but the guy had started to come on last year. We saw more positive things. We know how conscientious he is. We know what kind of a good person he is. We know he's not a shortcut guy. Uh, he goes through his preparation and is learning how to prepare. And, you know, knowing that a guy like Pat Flaherty is there to at least be in his ear along with the rest of the offensive line coaches, uh, you know, he's really grown as a player. And you know what? He's going to get a test this week. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he handles himself against Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Micah Parsons, you know, the whole group that Dallas can bring at you. Um, it's going to be a challenge in this football game. And I'd like, I'd like to see how he holds up in this game. Yeah. And that's great. Um, and it is something you should watch because think about it. Thomas and Micah Parsons will be competing against each other, hopefully for the next eight to 10 years or more. Um, Tank Lawrence is probably going to be competing against him for the next five to seven to eight years. So these are, these are matchups that you got to look forward to every year. So you want to see how he starts to compete against those guys. Randy Gregory, you throw him in the mix. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, that's something I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, you and I talked about this on the podcast on Monday. And I hadn't seen the results yet. And I don't have them right in front of me. But I do know that, like, according to Pro Football Focus, like, Nate Solder graded out pretty well last week. Yeah, but don't tell the one guy, the guy who put the one play up, right. that um, wasn't 100% his fault. But he put it up, and it was, you know, and then it started the whole thing. But I said, Nate played 60-something plays. And he had one visibly bad play. And by the way, uh, the Chargers' best pass rusher didn't get a sniff. You know, he had one, one tackle, one sack. So he wasn't active. So he was doing something right because we didn't call his name. And that's when you know a tackle is doing his job is when you are not saying his name a lot in terms of getting beat, giving up a pressure and things of that nature. Carl, um, I know that there's, um, I know that that's a scenario where, Hey, um, Oh my God, these guys are promoting Nate Solder fans. Listen with your ears. We're just talking about one instant. We're talking about a game last week. We are not saying that the sky is blue and all is well and so on and so forth. We're just pointing out something from last week. We know it's an issue. That whole position is an issue. We know the offensive line is an issue. 
but I think that in, in terms of fairness, we're just trying to highlight some football stuff that happened last week. Cause you know what? A lot of people just brush it aside. Like, uh, and then if he has a bad game to see, I told you, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to be fair and balanced, especially with the holidays coming up. Yeah, you know, and, and we, we are very clear eyed on the fact that Nate Solder is not the future of the Giants offensive line. The guy who we should be talking about uh, is Matt Pert. And he's, you know, listen, I'm, I, I want to be encouraged by him. I want to see him out there. If he has to play these last few games just to get his experience in game, then so be it. You know, especially, and I'm not trying to say that Glennon or Fromm are crash test dummies, but if um, Daniel Jones is going to be shut down, which I don't know if he will or not, uh, but if he's not going to be out there, then maybe it is time to start, get the real-time evaluation on um, Pert and just put him out there, let him play. You know, people were coming at me saying, well, he did okay at left tackle, and and all of a sudden he can't get on the field. Well, they need a right tackle. They got a left tackle. So um, if you're saying he, he needs to just play left tackle, the Giants are probably not the team for him. So he needs to go and play right tackle and do well. And like I said, if the Giants can, if they decide that they're going to shut Daniel Jones down and it's from – and it's and it's Mike Glennon. Hey, Pert, you're out there. Go go go! Convince us that we did a good job. Yeah, and listen, this is not this is not the week or the time to lament or you know pick over the roster construction and the the roster and who's on the roster, who's not where they messed up as far as roster selection or picks or free agency. Cause it does, it does not matter right now. Like you can, and fans have spent the last eight weeks picking over roster decisions, players on the roster. It doesn't matter. Nothing's changing no. as of right now. So there's a game to be played on Sunday. Um, <clears throat> you know, Mike Lennon, He's trying his best. Um, it's just interesting with Glenn and Carl, when we watch these games in person, it's just funny how as the game goes on, he loses effectiveness. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's the weirdest thing because the, the first couple drives of the game, it's amazing how much zip he's got on the ball. There's a decisiveness. And then as the game wears on, it just the balls become wobblier and stuff like that. Um, it's one of the more fascinating things that I think I've seen because I, I can't recall a guy that that yeah. has this visible change as the game goes on. He's like the 16-bit video game where they show the power meter and all of <laughs> a sudden as it goes on, the game goes on. But I think what the Giants have got to do in this, and I'm talking about his, um, his supporting cast, they got to lead those little power-ups all over the field. That means, you know, you got to catch a few passes, keep the drives moving, and I think his power meter will go up because he'll – like the more success he has, I think the more the adrenaline flows, the better the team goes. And I think he'll that energy level will stay up, but it, it's, it's a concerted effort 
Um, but yeah, he's like, you know, that meter goes down as the game goes. But if guys start catching balls and getting first downs, I think it becomes easier for him as well. Look, um, I understand Giants fans' frustrations, right? I mean, um, the Giants haven't had five consecutive losing seasons, which with their ninth loss last week guarantees it. Since they had eight straight losing seasons from 1973 to 1980. Uh, there's a lot of frustration amongst the fan base. You and I get it along our Twitter feed. Um, but I, I'm interested in this game to see. I can, every week I say the same thing or similar thing. You know, Saquon Barkley. I'm going to go with Barkley Booker, the two B's. Um, look, for the Giants to be competitive in this game and have a chance, you know, the two B's have to be sharp. Yeah. They've got to, when, the, when there's a hole that presents it, they've got to read it properly. They've got to hit it. Uh, they've got to be decisive because the, the, the one recipe for the Giants to have a chance in this game is they're going to have to play a little keep away. Yes. Uh, you know, if you give Dallas the ball too much with what they have, what they're bringing to the table, barring any kind of uh, positive COVID tests, it's, a lot, it's too much to handle. The Giants can't score enough points. So can they make this game muddy? Can they make this game ugly? Carl, you always talk about it. Dallas is a very good front-running team. But if you can muddy the waters, it makes it a little bit more difficult on them. Yeah, well, see, you've got to be willing to, to slug, though. You know, if, if you're not willing to go in and, and, and make it muddy, then you would think that the more physical, aggressive, angry team were the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are flying around having fun right now. Um, they they don't get punched in the mouth much. Um, they play the game on their terms. I think for the Giants, they've got to do what is necessary to keep them from playing on their terms, to keep disrupting. There's got to be a jab somewhere that messes up their rhythm. Um, and do they have enough good players to do that? Well, they got some healthy players on the roster. You just named two, Booker and Barkley. They've got Ingram. Uh, they got Rudolph. They got Galloway, uh, Galladay. Um, they've got some. They've got some players that should, at this point, especially some of the guys that have been injured, they should have fresh legs. They should be a problem. They should pose a problem for Dallas. And um, some of these guys still have things to prove or want to prove things. Uh, you think Galladay is happy with the season he's having? You think he doesn't want to go prove to these Cowboys defensive backs that, um, hey, I'm still a, I'm still a, a premium receiver in this league. Don't let the numbers fool you. So there are some things to prove. There's still some talent on the field on the Giants' side. They just got to uh, put together a great game plan and execute it. And that's, that's you know, in, in a nutshell, there's a path to victory. It ain't going to be easy. But if you focus on it, there are some things you can do. And then here's the other thing, the other motivation. Let's not forget the celebration that was had when Daniel Jones was knocked out of the game. And I'm not talking about the kid that made the tackle. I'm just talking about just the whole 
arrogant nature of after the game, the post game, and 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 how they just felt like they completely dominated the team, in which they did. Um, I don't know the makeup of this roster, but I would not forget that if I were playing. Um, and I well, I just hope that the Giants are level-headed because remember, I saw I think Tom Rock the guy story punched. About- the guy who punched Evan Ingram. Sucker punched him after the game. Yeah. yeah. See, I Sucker wouldn't forget punched. that. I wouldn't forget that. Yeah. And, you know, Kadarius Tony, who won't be in this game, but, you know, he was having one hell of a game until it got the best of him. But I would take all of those motivations and put them into the execution uh, bucket and go out and show them a little something different. Right, bring the heat, but don't get yourself kicked out of the game because it does no good. Um, no. The other thing, Carl, you know, I was, I was going back and looking at that game. Despite Daniel Jones getting knocked out, Saquon getting hurt, and the Giants had the game tied, but the end of the half, you know, that was early in the season. Sure. And, you know, that's where the end of the half stuff was. At that point in time, it was being talked about as, oh, you know, this is something we got to. Hmm, got to figure this out. Got to tighten this up. Hasn't really mm-hmm. been tightened up because Dallas went right downfield. They got the score. And then that was kind of all she wrote from that point on. Um, hey, fans, say goodbye to dull gifts. Christmas is coming. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Cutting edge technology, innovative techniques. They have the same chemical makeup as natural diamonds, but grown in a lab. That's right. They got all the colors, blush pink, beautiful blue, classic white, light box, lab-grown diamonds. They are perfect. $800 per carat. It's a light price. Visit Lightbox Diamonds. Lightboxjewelry.com. Add sparkle to your holiday shopping. Now, I got a promo code, too. I'm going to save people 50% uh, a little bit later. I'll give you a hint. Believe 50. Um, But I'll give you all the details. Uh, Carl, I, I want to talk a little bit about something that transpired on the Thursday night game that just, I'm a little partial to the chargers. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Justin Herbert. Now I'm partial to the chiefs too, because Steve Spagnuolo's there and Andy mm-hmm. Reed is a great guy. And, you know, I go by how people have treated me over the years and Andy Reed has treated yeah. me like gold. Um, <clears throat> And Spags is Spags. He's the best. But I had no problem with the Chargers going for it on fourth and goal on the first drive of the game. I'm like, all right. They're feeling it. They're feeling it. Hey, let's 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 show the Chiefs here where strike. Yeah. We and we know that a field goal kicking game ain't gonna beat you. Mm-hmm. So we all, we're going to, and we're going to pin you down if we have to, but we're going for this thing. And okay. They didn't make it. Now they, they dropped two touchdown passes. You know, I, uh, they were saying on the broadcast, well, that was a very important stop by the chiefs. The chiefs didn't stop them. The chargers stopped themselves. They dropped two of four plays that should have ended the driving touchdowns. I didn't get nothing out of it. And listen, you know how I feel about analytics. Analytics, to me, it's just a word that people get scared of, but it's been a part of pro sports since the beginning of time. Uh, Mm -hmm. When they stack a batting order, 
They do it based on averages and power numbers. Well, batting averages have been going on in baseball since the 1800s. Tom Landry used percentages and math and film study to create the umbrella and defense to stop Jim, Jim Brown and tendencies and all the. So analytics is it's always been there. It's just got a name now that drives people nuts. But at some point, especially like at the end of the first half, you got to kick the field goal to go up seven, knowing the Chargers get, knowing the Chiefs get the ball to start the third. Like the, to me, yeah. last night's game, the Thursday night's game was reckless, and a young coach cost his team a chance to win the division. Yeah, and and see, when you're when you're steeped in data, and you don't realize that data doesn't have a heartbeat, right? Data doesn't throw incomplete passes. Data, So there's so many things. The data can tell you to do something, but what do you feel, right? Now, uh, Coach Staley said he felt that he's going to always be aggressive, but common sense tells you you need to get points on the board. Now that you missed this first opportunity, you need to get some points on the board so that um, you can give Kansas City a little something to work for when they come out because – as you saw, as this game went on, those uh, neglected opportunities start to really manifest themselves. Then you start to do the math and you say, boy, they could be up by this and Kansas City could really be chasing. But um, and the Chargers played a good game defensively, as good as they could, even though they gave up 200 yards to a tight end. But it was, you know, they competed very well. But like you need points and, you know, the, the, the data people will tell you, well, the seven would have been more than the three. Well, the three would have been more than what you got. And the, the operation, and, and this is where um, I think the data guys, they, they try to justify a lot of subsets, right? But here's, here's the one thing. The, the execution of a chip shot field goal versus a play. Like, if you got to kick a field goal, a chip, a chip shot, your linemen have to do one thing. Your snapper, your holder, your kicker. When you start to inter- introduce a bunch of variables and guys are moving around and running routes, there's always a likelihood of failure uh, more so than a chip shot field goal. They're just a lot of variables. So, um, yeah, you can get the right personnel out and you can see what happened. Guy could catch it, fall down, hit his head, right? And people mm-hmm. say, well, you know, well, who's this, who's to guarantee that the field goal is going to go in? Go look at the statistics and see what the percentages are of that kicker making one from the five-yard line or from the eight-yard line versus, you know, um, a pass that includes several reads, several guys blocking, and the opportunity for a lot of other things to go wrong. Then I'll give you another example, Carl. And it's just if you're going to be, if you're going to be a, if you're going to use the analytics, hey, we're going, we're going for it, we're going for this, we're going for that, we're going, 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 going. Here's where the Chargers then totally messed up. Their analytics guy was not thinking clearly because when the game got tied, 
And then the Chargers went down the field. Or no, when when the Chiefs got I'm just trying to think of what the numbers were. Anyway, when the Chargers got to 28 and they scored the touchdown to go up eight points, it was 21-20. There you got to go for two. They kicked the extra point to go up eight, but there you go for two because you already have seven in your pocket. You're already yes. winning by seven. So if you kick the extra point, you're up seven. So if the Chiefs come down and score, they're probably going to kick the extra point and take their chances in overtime. Mm-hmm. If you go for two there with 215 to go in the game or whatever it was, 240, and you get it, now you're up nine. The game's over. You've won the game, barring an onside kick. Yeah. So it was a mishmash of what happened last night. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, young coaches get get tapped for a lot of a lot of miscues. Uh, we see that here with the Giants in some of their management situations. Um, Staley will survive it. Uh, hopefully he'll learn from it. He, he says he's going to stay aggressive, and I applaud that. But sometimes your coaching instincts have to take over. You have to have a feel for the game, and you can't have people tell you how the numbers say you should should operate when you have your finger on the pulse of the game. But uh, it's – and here's the other thing, too, where I, I can see where analytics can be. I know where they're helpful, and I'm not anti-analytic. But when you get to a certain part of the season, right, they count as one game. It's 17 games in a season. But when you're playing for a division and it's either tie or go back two, you better consider every decision you make because now you're back to now their, their schedule is, is, is probably more favor, favorable than the Chiefs, so they may be able to climb back up into a tie. But going back to two games is not a comfortable situation to be in. And you look back. And if they won the game, they would have had a season sweep. So now all they needed was a tie. Correct. So now you're going to look back. Whatever happens, you're going to look back and say, damn it, if we'd have got that uh, Kansas City game, we're sitting in a catbird seat. Right now they're fighting now. Like they just brought somebody else into the picture behind them. So, and it's, uh, that's what people have to factor in when, when we deal with uh, decisions by analytics uh, in certain types of games, because it's a, it's a 17, you only get 17 of them. It's not baseball, it's not basketball. And so you've got to really make great sound decisions on a game-by-game basis. All right, fans, um, I got a little gift offer for you here. Bet Online is your number one spot for basketball, football, casino games, UFC, boxing. It's the place you got to go. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today and you can receive 50% on your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Simple. Use the promo code believe 50 B L E A V 50. And you get 50% off your welcome bonus bet online. The fastest, easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online 
where the game starts. All right, let's circle this back to the Giants here, Carl, just in summation here. We know that this is a big task this week, uh, depending on, you know, all these COVID things. Um, here's the deal. It's going to be hard. You got to force turnovers. You got to make the game ugly, muddy. You got to keep Prescott questioning himself. Tell me the best possible way for the Giants to win this game, especially um, when you look at what they can possibly do offensively against this Cowboys defense. Well, I, I think for the Giants, it's stopping the running game. You got two running backs there that, when healthy, are really good. Right now, neither one of them are at their best. So you want to have those. You want to keep Zeke limited. You don't want those five-yard to carry um, first downs. Pollard, That's, too, man. Yeah, Pollard. Both of those guys. And Pollard is a guy who can be a home run hitter if he gets through there. And Giants gave up some big runs last week. So they've got to stop the run and then play sound pass defense. But the key right here for the Giants is stopping the run. If, the, if Dallas wants to throw the ball 40 times, let them. there, was a, there will be a mistake to be had but you cannot let them run the football uh, on a consistent basis because if they do, there's just no stopping. So stopping the run is what they have to do from a defensive standpoint. Offensively, it's just, listen, stay on schedule, do whatever you have to do to stay on schedule. Don't get behind the chains because they will wreck your passing game. If you're third in anything more than nine, they're coming. Yeah, and listen, they're they're number one in the NFL in third down defense. Teams are hitting only 30.9% against them. Teams are six of 13 on third and one. If you're in third and long, you're toast. Um, so you got to be productive on first down for certain and keep yourself in manageable situations. Listen, I I I just in wrapping up, I want to ask you this. Now you were not drafted yet by the Giants when Lawrence Taylor was a rookie. <clears throat> I remember, you know, Lawrence took the NFL by storm as a rookie. And I know people get very crazy when Lawrence Taylor's name is associated with anybody's name as the next, because Lord knows, Carl, how many guys over the years have been the next Lawrence Taylor? Yeah. Dubbed the next Lawrence Taylor. Yeah to not become the next Lawrence Taylor. Right. And I'm not comparing Micah Parsons to being the next Lawrence Taylor. But I will say this. From a disruptive, imposing your will standpoint, in a rookie season vacuum, Micah Parsons' rookie season is at least in a discussion to being like a Lawrence Taylor rookie season. Well, yeah, in the context, I agree 100%. And in the context of the sport today, the way the game is played today, sure. he is he is as disruptive as can be. And proof of that is there ain't many other defensive players that are that have been in the league other than Aaron Donald that have been as disruptive this year as Micah Parsons. So that tells you everything you need to know. Um He's going to be fun to watch over the years. 
Um, I think, you know, I think he even said it too. He wants to be the guy people are compared to. He, you know, he wants to be the Micah Parsons of, of NFL where people are saying he's the next Micah Parsons. So look, uh, Lawrence's legacy and how he changed the way people even drafted is there. Micah Parsons is not doing that as of yet. Um, but he is disrupting. He's, he's definitely changing the way people game plan from week to week. You better find him and know where he is. Um, I haven't seen enough of him uh, in certain situations. I don't think teams have run at him. I'd like to see him play against a team like San Francisco, where, where Kittle will line up and say, okay, let me see how good you are. And then they're going to run those traps and those powers and, and, and see how he takes on all of that stuff. That's what I want to see the next evolution. Something tells me he'd fare pretty good, though. But I think that's what we need to see. He needs to be challenged at that level. Yeah. And again, we are we're in a situation here where we're just we're using something as a benchmark. And mm -hmm. we are not by any stretch of the imagination saying that he is or has surpassed that benchmark. We're just saying <laughs> no. that he's at least a guy that's gotten into this benchmark well he's, ha he's having an impact on the league similar to a rookie lawrence taylor correct and that's it, it, yeah and it's in the context of this era of football this style of football and not the 70s 80s and 90s or the 80s 90s and 2000s so this is this is in his impact and you want to look around the league and see who else is impacting it at that level Nobody's doing it better than Aaron Donald, but this guy, this kid, there are a lot of defensive players out there. None of them are doing what he's doing. So he's impactful. Let's just see it for what it is. And by the way, the last rookie to win the NFL defensive player of the year, Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's going to get it as long as Aaron Donald was playing the way he's playing. Probably not. Probably, especially with the Cardinals, uh, especially with the Rams beating the Cardinals the other night and Donald, uh, Donald having such a huge, yeah, huge effort. All right, Carl, uh, we're out of time. You know how we like to end this thing. Yeah. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Believe podcast. And watch the little things, folks. Yeah, we're into the little things right now. We've talked big picture and we've all had our spaces to um really state the obvious it would be stating the obvious now so let's just watch the little things let's look at how this team gets gets moving going forward now we're not gonna not do our jobs but we're gonna keep looking at things that should factor into the future of this team as well yeah because everything else is going to sort itself out when the season yeah, ends all exactly. the other stuff that Pete, you know we've been talking about that will all sort itself out so tell a friend Tell a friend, tell a friend, believe in giants with Banks and Papa. Check it out. Subscribe. We'll be back early next week for a recap of the Giants and the Cowboys. Enjoy the game, everybody.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.